joining us here today, our guest is Jay Anthony Brown. He actually dropped some knowledge as I talked to him. I wasn't expecting that, but you'll get a chance to hear it for yourself in just a moment. Jay Anthony Brown has a bad case of nerves. He gets that way whenever he books a show. And yep, he's past nervous about coming here to the Summit City. He'll talk about that as you check out this interview I did with him. All Jay right, Anthony Jay Brown. Anthony Brown coming back to Fort Wayne. Um, good afternoon, sir. How you doing? I'm saying that like that, like we're like waiting for you. We've been waiting for you to come yeah, back, right? Playing right now or something, all right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Let me ask you really quick. What drew you to comedy? Because didn't you want to be a tailor? I was a tailor. I was a tailor for 20 years. You know, I made clothes, did alterations. I went to designing school. I was just always fascinated and wanted to be close to anybody who was making people laugh. You know, like family members and stuff. I mean, I had a cousin, uh, cousin Melvin, and, you know, it's just, I just was gravitated to people who could make people laugh. And I always say also that the funniest people I know never go on stage. It's like that in everybody's life. We know a lot of people in our lives who are just funny, but they don't go on stage. And, you know, it's a difference between living room funny and stage funny that I want, I was gravitated to it and, it took me a long time to master it, but I, I, I stuck with it until I got it. Because trust me, when I started, it, it didn't work at all. It was not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you about that now. You said it didn't work out at first when you started out. Now, did you write some jokes or did you just get up and oh. think I'm going to be funny? No, I, I stole uh, Bill Cosby and, and Red Fox's act. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, and I was gonna. I got. I was. I was 18 years old, and I, I convinced this club owner to let me go up, and you know, and I. I it was. It was horrible, horrible, and I just like okay, I'm gonna stick to tailoring, and I just said, well, I, I can do it. I think my problem was I couldn't talk. I could not talk a complete sentence without going, you know, and uh, but uh, okay, and. People have that problem. Speaking in public is very hard for a lot of people. It is. So um, I stayed with it and I worked on it. And I got a job at a comedy club uh, for five years. And that was the that was the beginning of me working on my craft because I was allowed to be there every week. When you went back on stage after you had decided not to quit. Now, did you start writing your own act? Or were you still doing Bill Cosby and Red Fox? I had, I had stopped. I had stopped Bill Cosby and Red Fox stuff. I was doing stuff on my own, and I, I would just. It was funny because when I think about what I did, I was a tailor working in a tailor shop, and I had my machine was in a little section off to everybody else. So I would just sit there and talk to my talk to myself. Mm-hmm. And anytime I made myself laugh. I'd write that down along with doing alterations. So uh, that's how I got, you know, the ability to talk and the ability to have my own material. And I did the same thing when I started doing art. I became an artist mm-hmm. by while I was doing the Tom Jonas show. Okay. So, yeah, I just have this ability to do two things at once. And, but it took a lot of work. It yeah. really did. Yeah, and actually, I think people don't realize the the work that goes into it. And it sounds like you were determined because you just sat there, like you said, as a tailor and and taught yourself the profession. Oh, I did. I really did. You know, I would I would go to uh, like I said after I bombed the first time, I'd go up 
and, and do short sets and it, it got better and better. Then I would see comedians in, in the city that I lived in Atlanta at the particular time who I said, well, damn, if they could do it, I can do it. It just kind of <laughs> gave me by watching other people. Yeah, that's how it works. Now, do you still uh, design or work on clothing? I, yeah, I have a line of jackets that I'm coming out with. Uh, they're designer jackets uh, that, that are going to have my artwork on it. Oh. Uh, have a website set up shortly that you'll be able to see them. But yeah, I also have a hot sauce. I also have my uh, peanuts and, you know, and uh, T-shirts that I take on the road with me when I'm doing shows. Now, we know about hotter than a mofo sauce. We know about that. Now, talk about peanuts. Now, now are these peanuts that you've grown or? or, or? They're, they're canned in the United States and they're called hotter than a mofo. And they're very, very, very hot. But uh, they they sell very well. A lot of people like hot and spicy stuff, so mm-hmm. that's what my thought. If I get your address, I'll send you a can. You know what? I will. I will make sure I get you my address. Now, yes. what? Yeah. What is the? What is the, your biggest challenge doing comedy now, or is there a challenge for you? Oh yes, for me. Yeah, I'm afraid. I'm nervous every time I go on stage. Really? Every time, and I've been doing comedy over over thirty years. Every show, I'm nervous, nervous. I mean, I'm nervous weeks before. I'm nervous to the point where there's thoughts in my head that I'm going, I'll just cancel the show. I don't even want to go. Really? Because, I mean, and it's not because of the money. It's because I get so nervous and afraid and I can't concentrate. But once I get on stage, it goes away. But... Building up to it weeks before, right before they, they start to introduce me. It's, uh, I, it's hard to explain. And the only people who can uh, uh, identify with it are people who have the stage fright that I have. Okay. And I, yeah, it's really bad. <laughs> you know, bad. But, but from what I understand, that they say sometimes having that stage fright is good for it because if you get too cocky, that's usually when you end up having that, uh, that, that bomb or that you fall. <laughs> Talking yet? Definitely, I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> You're not ready to. Now, people that are unfamiliar with the J. Anthony Brown show, what are they going to see that Friday night? Uh, well, if you Christian, pray up. <laughs> pray up. <laughs> pray that may scare pray. some people off here, huh? Uh, well, I mean, they've been warned. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's a, uh, it's a. I tried to work clean, and there's no, there's no damn way I can do it. I just cannot do it. I, I tried, and I just feel more comfortable. But if comics ask me for advice in terms of comedy, uh-huh. I will tell them to be clean. Why? Uh, I, well, because being a clean comic makes you think when you're starting out in the business. Okay, you're not. Re- um, curse words for your punchline. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, any advice if you ask me, what could a young comedian do? I'm going to tell that comedian to be clean. To be a clean comedian, he's going to learn uh, how to think more and create more. I'm not saying that comics who curse uh, don't think and uh, uh, don't create. I'm just saying when you start out, it's best not to curse. I think that makes sense too. You know, you know, you people following your career actually would probably come to you for a lot of advice. You've actually written for television, also. Um, how was that? Yeah. Um. Uh, I wrote for I wrote for Arsenio. I wrote for 
uh, Robert Townsend. I wrote on the Steve Harvey show. I wrote uh, for for BET, um, the Tom Jonas show. I wrote stuff. So, yeah. Um, but my first writing job was to be a, a writer on the Arsenio Hall show. Okay. How was that? That was that was that was unbelievable. That was unbelievable because the way I got the job, I, I mean, I'm a bad typist and a bad speller, and <laughs> I ended up getting assistant to help me. But the ability to write a joke and to see somebody do it is just—it's one of the most uh, thrilling things, you know, to, from your mind to the paper, from your eyes to the stage. It, the process is unbelievable. And Arsenio, I've written for Arsenio. I've written for um, Steve Harvey. And to see them, you know, take your words and go out there and deliver them and the quote unquote kill with it is just like, wow, I wrote that. You know wow. what I mean? Yeah, I, I actually, I do. Now, the, the first time you sat down to write, did they did they use what you what you wrote? The first time? Well, what happened, I, the, way, the way I got the job for writing for Arsenio, uh, a young man by the name of Paul Clay, when Arsenio first started his show, he only had two writers. Mm. Paul Clay and a guy named Barry. Barry, I cannot remember Barry's last name, but Paul Clay was a friend of mine. We all started comedy in Atlanta. Okay. And he moves to L.A. He gets a job writing for Arsenio. His wife, wrote for um, Golden Girls. Remember that other show where it was all women and they were in the South? What was that show? Yeah, the Golden Girls, it sounds like. No, 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 Designing Women. No, just, okay, 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 yep. Yeah, his, his wife wrote for Designing Women and he was writing for Arsenio. So my first day out in L.A., he says, once you come by the Arsenio Hall show, which was on Paramount, which was walking distance from where I was living, he said, come by when I finish the monologue. That's the monologue is what Arsenio would do before the show. We can go to lunch, mm -hmm. you know, not going to take us that long. And back then, most of your news came from a newspaper by the name of USA Today. I'm sure you remember USA Today. I do. I do. Yeah, you so you get USA Today, it came out, it would hit the stands at maybe five or, it hit the stands about four or five in the morning. So that would give you enough time to look at the stories for the day and then write jokes on them. So when I go over there, he says, I'm writing, we're writing the script right now, we're writing the monologue right now, just give us about 20 minutes, we'll be finished. So when you're in a room with comedians, the subject comes up, yada, 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 you know, you throw in your two cents and he's like, oh, yeah, that's funny. Can we use it? Yeah, that's that. the next one. Yeah, that's funny. And so I did about two of them and he said, see, you can do this. I'm like, and I can't type in my spelling's real bad. He said, well, I'll type for you. Just type up some jokes. I'll give them to Arsenio and tell him that my buddy wrote them and see what happens. So I did. And I'm working on the road. I forgot where I was at, but he calls me up that day. Uh, and he says, Arsenio's going to use one of your jokes. I'm like, what? So I, I finished the show. It was on a it was on a weeknight because normally on the weekend you would have two shows. Mm -hmm. And on the bed, Arsenio Hall show starts, and he comes out, and he did this joke that I wrote. And it killed. It just killed. And the joke, the joke was... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, funny now, but Latoya Jackson did a spread in Playboy mm -hmm. where she was naked, mm -hmm. and she she did it to boost her career. So the joke was, 
Arsenio saying, well, you know, I want to boost my career, but you ain't going to see me butt naked on a Harley Davidson with boots on. Boom. <laughs> yeah. And it did great. Yeah. yeah. So, all the next day from the producer says, Arsenio wants to meet you, which meant I had to fly out to L.A. Mm-hmm. And I was living at the time, but I was working on the road. So I fly out to L.A. I go in the office with Arsenio. He said, I said, I'm from South Carolina. He says, I'll see you Monday. And that was it. So he hired you on the spot. He hired me on the spot. Wow. That's actually like an inspirational story. So do you like writing for television or do you more, more prefer I being like on stage? For television, I don't, I have no in t- in intention of being a script writer because script writing is very tedious. Uh, you write, if you write, if you're writing for a, a TV show like The Tonight Show, which they have very few black writers, all of these shows have very few black writers, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, all, you can have an all black show and not have any black writers. That's wow. a whole nother we'll talk about. But uh, for writing for a television show, uh, it's totally different uh, because you write a script and then you take that script and give it to the actors. They'll read it at the table. You'll hear them read it and then you go back and add jokes to what they read. Then they get up. And then they go and do it on the floor. And then you go back to the writer's room and you add more jokes. So to write a script and punch it up is going to take a week. Okay. The weeks are late nights. You know, after they rehearse, you may be two o'clock because the person who's in charge of the room, when you go line by line by line by line, if he don't want to go home, you're going to sit in that room all night long. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to do that. No. Yeah. That it sounds, it sounds like it could be very tedious. So what do you love the most about being on stage telling comedy while telling jokes? What, what, what about that is like still appealing to you? The control, the control and to see, I remember when I, before I became quote unquote semi-famous, I went to see Richard Pryor. I'd go see Richard Pryor, Red Fox, Moms, maybe, you know, all those, all the greats, Jimmy J.J. Walker, George Wallace, you know, Paul Mooney, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, if I could just make people laugh half of that, just where they would be killed over, like, they're laughing so hard. And I've achieved that. And that, that's, that is, that's just, that's just great. That's great that you could say something. You could think of something, say it. And not only make people laugh, but make people laugh hard. Yeah. Just like, just hard. Like you could see them crying. And you know, black people, we laugh differently. We got it. We'll get up. We do. We'll, we do. We'll bring hair over your head if it's real. <laughs> 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 you know what you and, I'm sorry have you seen the video on YouTube where these two guys are just laughing no I have not oh my god it's the funniest thing ever they're just you don't know what they're laughing at mm-hmm. you have no idea but they're laughing like black people laugh you know they're pushing each other they're falling down you know they're, <laughs> they're knocking stuff off the table and I've seen people laugh. I've laughed like that myself. I, I mean, have just, too. Yep. I yeah. have too. Yep. Are you taking the person next to you or, you know, <laughs> uh, there is a, um, a living color comedy bit 
where they're doing a spoof on uh, Def Jam. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the, the comedian is telling jokes, but the spoof is surrounded by, is, is a parody on how black people laugh. There's a baby that shoots out, one guy blows up. It's just, <laughs> it's hilarious. Go on YouTube. <laughs> Okay, I'll have to go back and look for yeah. that. Yeah, you the way the way you talk about it, it sounds like it might be even a little bit addictive. It sounds like being on stage. It, it is. I mean, once I get past the nervousness, when I, and you quote unquote, and I guess it, I can compare it to to being on the radio. Being on the radio uh, while I was on with Tom Joyner, or either on with Steve Harvey, and before that I was on on the Stevie Wonder station. It is the is the most fulfilling thing ever. Radio, it, there's nothing to compare to radio. It's a, it's a theater of the mind uh, where you can take people in any direction without showing them a picture of anything, of anything. You know, I'm, I'm glad you say that because that's actually an art because everybody can't do that. No, no, no. You have a lot of great comedians, and I'm sure you've talked to some of them who come on the radio and they're like, uh, e, oh, uh, <laughs> because they have... They don't have this ability to do radio. Mm-hmm. Radio is a different beast. You know, you say whatever it is you got to say, but there's a commercial coming up soon, so we need to get to the funny. We yeah. got all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thankful for Tom Joyner allowing me to do that because we mastered it. I'm not taking anything away from the Steve Harvey show, mm-hmm. but the Joyner show, when we were in our heyday, there was not a show on the air that could touch us. Nobody could touch us. And it wasn't because of me. It was because what Tom put together. I mean, he had Melvin, Miss Dupree, Myra J, It's Your World, Sybil Wilkes. It, it was kick-ass. Yeah, it, it was. It was. It absolutely yeah. was. Yeah, it sounds like you you started doing radio and fell in love with it. Oh, my God. I, I've, I've always loved radio. Well, the first time I heard comedy, real comedians was on the radio. I mean, you know, you got to understand Johnny Carson wasn't putting black comics on on his show. Mm-mm. You know, there if you break out black comics, it was Flip Wilson, it was Red Fox, it was Bill Cosby, and um, that was it. Yeah. was yeah. it. Yeah. And um, FGM came along. Oh, my God, thanks. Thanks so much for Def Jam. Def Jam and Comic View changed the game. It changed the game. It's And not only did it change the game, it saved all these white comedy clubs that were dying, literally dying. You know, it's, inter- black- it's interesting you say that. Would they admit that? Would they admit that now? No. no. 30 years. Let's just do 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. The improv, the yuck yucks, the funny bones, they didn't book as many black comics as they're booking now. The only reason they're booking them now is because these comics sell tickets and the comics that are black saved white comedy clubs, hands down. They don't have to admit it. I know it for a fact. Yeah. In these comedy clubs, you look at the wall and you see all these white people, you go, who the hell are these white people? Well, they were there before you got there, and then they stopped selling tickets because Negroes started going to clubs uh, <laughs> and broke. Look at the ticket price. You think I'm lying? No, no, Look I know it. you. I know you're telling the truth. When Samoa comes, or when Dave Chappelle comes, or when and and there ain't ten comedians that are white, or there ain't twenty. I'll go twenty that can sell the number of tickets 
that black comics are selling in these black comedy clubs. And then by the same token, black comedy clubs catch hell. They catch hell. Because? Black comics, big name comics won't come. Won't go back. Okay. Yeah. They get their start and they leave. uh, 12 years in L.A. And I can name tons of comedians that would drive past my club, going to the airport to work in a white comedy club out of town. Oh, they come in and have a drink. And if it was packed, they would want to go on stage. That's the beast of comedy. That's black comedy. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. We don't we don't consider that. We don't think about that. No, yeah. we don't think that. No. Yeah, we yeah. gotta we gotta support, but we gotta support ours, y'all. We got to. We got well, to. Uh, Mr. Um, Mr. Um, Mr. Johnson, who was the head of Johnson um, Publishing. Yes, sir. He had a slogan that, and it was. He said sometimes the hardest thing for a black person to do is to support another black person. And I can see that. <laughs> yep, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Because you hear people talk about they say think that their ice is colder than ours or whatever. But yeah, I've heard. Yeah. I've heard that. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Know. Yes. But you're going to be in town making people laugh here in Fort Wayne. You're coming here, and you're gonna you're gonna kill them, right? You're gonna kill them. Uh, see, you got me nervous. Okay, already. okay, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to say, okay, you're going to come and you're just going to have a good time, right? <laughs> oh, man, I'm nervous already. I am so nervous. No, you're going to do fine. I got people like asking me, hey, what when, what, what time? When, when, when? Friday, Friday, Friday night. Okay, yep. Yeah, yeah. But So people are looking forward to it. So I'm not trying to get you nervous. And if you want, I can ask them, can you do it like from behind the curtain? You know, that way people can see. Will that help? Will that help? Do it on the phone, huh? That'd be great. Okay, I can ask him if you want to do that, too. We can do that. (laughs) Zoom zoom with everybody in the club and then do the show from there. Right. That'll work. All right. We we can do that. I can ask him anyway. We can. I'll ask. (laughs) (laughs) Jay Anthony Brown coming to, like, rock the You are very welcome, sir. I have T-shirts. I have hot sauce. So I'll see you guys there. Absolutely. I will make sure I come up, shake your hand. I'm uh, try that hot sauce. And I'm looking forward to the hot peanuts, too. OK. Yeah, man. All yeah. Right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jay Anthony Brown, our guest today here as we wrap up. Thank you for listening. And we will be back.